Hey folks, Pastor Tritton here from Gloria Day Lutheran Church. Uh, thanks for joining me for another midweek message. Uh, I've been thinking about what is it exactly that I'm trying to accomplish with these messages. I'm not even really stuck on the name midweek message. It's just kind of convenient and to the M's. So anyhow, um, but one of the things that I definitely want to try to accomplish as I go through these is to highlight some of the Lutheran distinctives um, in terms of how we conduct ourselves as a church, the, the way that we engage our worship, the way that we engage the world sometimes, uh, and just to really kind of look at who are we as uh, as Christians, but also as this distinctive Lutheran type of Christian. And a couple of things come to my mind really quickly. As Lutheran Christians, we subscribe to confessions. We, we hold on to certain beliefs that we say this is what we should all teach and what we should all hold as uh, the, the correct understanding of the scriptures of the Bible. And uh, we have some documents that we call the Book of Concord that we use to do that. And uh, those will come up from time to time. You've probably heard me already talk about things like Luther's small catechism or Luther's large catechism, and that is definitely part of that book of Concord, that larger body that informs who we are and, and how, we, how, how we act. Uh, Lutheran Christians are also what we call liturgical Christians. We follow a liturgy. Now, really, all Christians follow some kind of an order of worship. Some of them are more formal. Some of them are very informal. Uh, the, the one that we tend to follow is rooted in the historic liturgy of the church. And uh, if you were to go to a Catholic church or an Anglican church uh, or a Lutheran church, chances are really good, uh, even an Orthodox church, um, chances are really good that you will see things that are similar uh, across those different church bodies. And that's because the style of worship is really rooted in what did the early church do? What what flowed out of uh, the, the synagogue, actually. Some of it goes all the way back to Jewish worship. So we're, we're kind of steeped in that history and that style of worship that goes back to the very first believers in, in Jesus. Uh, so that, that shapes who we are. And part of being liturgical means that we follow a, a church calendar. There's a church year, uh, kind of a cycle that we go through year after year. It begins with Advent, and Advent is usually starting in the, the end of November. And, you know, here we are, we're, we're kind of in the, the beginning to being third of, of November right now when I'm recording this. And it will go all the way through until Christmas, but the church year itself goes all the way around to the next November. And that means that we are right at the tail end of this church year. Now, while I'm talking about church years, uh, November uh, 14 and 21, these next two Sundays, are the last two Sundays of this church year. Um, and November 28th is the first Sunday of the next church year. And I'm going to talk more about that when we get closer to that because I, I want to talk a little bit about what what is Advent about as we get ready for celebration of Christmas. And since I'm 
naming dates. November 24th will be our Thanksgiving Eve service here at 7 o'clock. It's a communion service. And uh, if you're around, please come and be part of that worship service as we give thanks to God for his bountiful blessings. But I want to focus on those two Sundays, those last two Sundays of the church here. Um, I'm going to focus on that for today and for, for next week. And, and really, when you look at these next two Sundays, they really revolve around what we might call the end. Capital T, the capital E, end. Like the end of all things. Like Jesus comes back judges the living and the dead, and and all of those kinds of things. So both weeks we're going to read from Mark chapter 13. And in Mark chapter 13, Jesus has a conversation with his disciples there. They walk through the, the, the temple in Jerusalem, and they are amazed by these huge stones that were used to, to build the temple and these structures. And if anything ever said permanence, it was the temple. And Jesus says, nope, not going to last. And sure enough, in 70 AD, the Romans came and they tore it all down. Uh, and, and so he's really trying to draw them into a, a conversation about the coming judgment, uh, that, that the things of this world come to an end. This week, we're reading from Hebrews chapter 10, where the writer to the, the book of Hebrews, we don't actually know who that is, uh, but that individual encourages us to encourage one another all the more as you see the day, capital D, day, drawing near. In other words, he says, as you look out at the world, you're going to see that there are going to be difficulties, there's going to be troubles, there's going to be trials. And how are we as Christians going to get through all of that? Well, he says, encourage one another. Um, Remind one another of, of the faith that you have been given and, and all of the things that God is doing in your life so that, you know, as you face those difficulties, you kind of keep your eyes beyond, looking ahead to Jesus keeping his promises of, of his return and, and setting all things to right. And then also this week in the Old Testament lesson, we're going to read from Daniel chapter 12. Daniel speaks of the resurrection of the dead on the last day. Sometimes people will say that uh, the resurrection is a New Testament teaching. That's not true. It's in the, it's in the entirety of the scriptures, this idea that, that God will raise his dead to everlasting life. It's woven throughout the entire Bible. And that is an important message for us. Uh, I think it's especially important for us as we deal with the fear that uh, so many people are experiencing going through this time of a pandemic and, and worrying about our health and what might happen to us if we were to get sick. There is hope for us. There is hope for us uh, as we face all of the, the difficulties, all of the sicknesses, the, the cancers, the, the high blood pressure, the heart disease, and all of these things that we die from, uh, we can face those things with courage and even joy, remembering that Jesus has redeemed us and that in the end, we will rise from the dead and we're going to live eternally. That, <laughs> that there is a capital T, the, capital E, end when Jesus is going to come and, and, and set all things right. Now, there is a lot of confusion around the end times, no doubt about it, and a lot of fear. Uh, 
And some of that is, is fueled by the strange images and the, the, the frightening interpretations of what we call apocalyptic literature. Now, that word apocalyptic, you know, it sounds kind of spooky even, maybe. Uh, but, but the word apocalypse just means a, a revelation, a, a, a rolling back so that you can see what is beyond. And, and that's exactly what happens in the book that we call Revelation, that John is given a, a vision of heaven. And the same thing happens in, in Daniel, which is another apocalyptic book, or in the prophecies that Jesus gives that are apocalyptic. He's talking about what comes after the end, what, what will be someday on, on the judgment day. And some of those images are strange because you're, you're talking about something that, that is a mystery, and, and they're written in such a way as to preserve some of that mystery. And many, many people have looked at those and tried to, um, tried to read the signs in order to say, oh, now we're in the end times, or um, we're getting closer, or, or whatever else. Jesus is actually pretty blunt about this in the Gospels. He says, nobody knows the day or the hour. You know, so if somebody is out there saying, oh, I know when it's going to happen, yeah, no, no. And if somebody says, I know that this particular image is this particular interpretation, uh, be cautious with that too. Um, you know, uh, this happens sometimes with the, the, the number 666 in the book of Revelation. You know, they, they have gone through and sometimes people will show how it uh, numerologically, you know, means Napoleon or it means Saddam Hussein or Adolf Hitler or, or pick your favorite politician to hate. Um, and uh, it's, it's no, no, no. Be careful with, with, with that kind of thing in, in terms of reading the signs. You know, the signs are, this world is coming to an end. Do I know when? No. How do I know? Because Jesus says that it's coming to an end. When is Jesus coming? He's coming soon. He's been coming soon for over 2,000 years. Think on that one for a minute. Uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit more next week. Uh, but when Jesus says he's coming soon, we, we say, okay, well, he's coming soon. We're, we're going to trust him and, and hold on to his promises. You see, when it comes to this issue of the end of time and the issue of the judgment, Lutherans tend to view this a little bit differently than, than other denominations. We look at the end times as right now. The end times are everything that happens from the time that Jesus ascended into heaven all the way to when he comes back on the judgment day. That's the end times. And we're, we're in, the, in the midst of them. I won't say the middle. Maybe, I mean, who knows? Maybe, you know, it's tomorrow. I don't know. Uh, but it's that whole period of time from the time that Jesus returned into heaven and when he comes back visibly to judge the living and the dead. Uh, and from last week's sermon, I'll, I'll say it this way again. From the book of Revelation, the great tribulation is this life. Or the, the image that sometimes I'll talk about from Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's this life. God's rod and his staff, they comfort us in this life as he brings us through it to the everlasting life he's promised us after our, uh, our death or after Jesus returns for us. 
So these two Sundays, they, they remind us of some important parts of our lives as Christians. First, they remind us that this life is temporary. This life as sinners does not go on forever. The permanent is coming. In fact, you have already received a down payment of it. Because when you came to faith, when you were baptized, the, the Holy Spirit was placed in you as a, a, a down payment, a guarantee of the salvation that Jesus has won for you. These end times also remind us that God's justice is real. And that's sometimes an uncomfortable thought. Uh, we, we, we don't like to think about God coming and punishing sin. When we think about God's justice, we need to think about, his, about Jesus' cross. We need to remember that Jesus died to pay for the sins of the whole world. And when we think about justice, we also have to think about this in terms of God's love. That when God comes in his wrath and his anger, that he does that out of love for you and the evils that have happened to you. And he comes to set all of those things right. And then these last two Sundays also remind us that, that God's plan runs from creation to new creation. When we read the book of Genesis, we, we read about God creating all things, and, and he has this special relationship with the first man and the first woman. And then we read about the fall into sin. And then as you go through the rest of the Bible, uh, the message isn't so much that when we die, we go to heaven and then we float on clouds. and It's certainly not that we become angels. That's a whole different type of being. But the message is that he is going to redeem this creation and his creatures. And, and you and I are among those creatures. So that when he, uh, when he comes back at the end, it, this is informed by the beginning where he created all things to be very good. So when we get to this last moment, Revelation describes this as a time and a place where there's no more weeping, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more sickness, no more death. But we have everlasting life and we see Jesus face to face. And this isn't just spiritual. It's not, like I said, you know, becoming uh, an angel. It's not floating up into the clouds or, or, or any of those things. Jesus redeems the physical world. And in this new world, uh, we will have physical bodies. He created us to be body and soul. And we will continue to be people with body and soul in the new creation. One of the other things I think is really important about the end times is thinking about how do we how do we live in light of this truth that Jesus is coming again and a couple things I would put out before you first is that we live with hope because Jesus has won the victory for us so no matter what happens in this world we can say as I've said often um, everything is going to be okay even if it's not right now, it's going to be. So we can hold on to hope because we hold on to Jesus' promises and those promises are certain and sure. Remembering that there are end times allows us to have peace in times of trouble as well. It allows us to hold on to 
this groundedness that Jesus makes us well, that he makes us whole, that he makes us complete. It also allows us to rejoice in the blessings of this world. I'm really good at talking about you know, the troubles and the difficulties sometimes, but there are real blessings and real joys in this life. God has not abandoned us here to just kind of mope around. He gives good gifts to us. And knowing that there is an end allows us to receive those with gladness and joy and, and allows us to live this life with a sense of, of, of purpose and, and receiving those blessings, knowing that, that God has a, a, a plan to use those in our lives to, to benefit us, to benefit our neighbors, it, to draw us to himself and, and all kinds of good things. And if none of this means anything, then, well, whatever. But it does mean something, and that's why Jesus is coming again. And then, I guess the last thing that I, I would put before you as we think about the end of time is that this is a reminder to count on Jesus. Sometimes we talk about that in terms of, you know, have faith in Jesus. But maybe, you know, having faith in Jesus feels a little bit kind of far away. Uh, it feels a little bit um, um, like uh, an idea you know, that just kind of rattles around. Sometimes we talk about it in terms of trust Jesus. Okay, that's, that's maybe a, a little bit stronger for our culture. But when we say count on it, that means that we see a, a certainty in this. And that's really what hope is all about. That we see the certainty of what Jesus has done as we count on him to come again and to redeem us and, and, and to take us to be with him, to live with him in his glory. So you're going to hear those kinds of messages. And uh, um, I hope you'll come to church on Sunday. If not, uh, please make sure that you check us out online on our YouTube channel. And uh, if this was an encouragement to you or, or if this is helpful to you, uh, please feel free to share. God's blessings.